what do you think? Does learning to swim give you confidence that seeps into other areas of your life? What about learning to push yourself in the water and find your limits? How does that translate into your day-to-day life? This is what I'm contemplating these days. I'd love it if you share your thoughts with me. Email me, shannon at intrepidwater.com. Hello, and welcome to Marathon Swim Stories, where we explore the human side of the superhuman feats of endurance swimmers and those who support them. I'm marathon swimmer and coach, Shannon Keegan. Today, I had the pleasure of catching up with Edie Hu. Edie swam around Hong Kong in 2018 to raise money for Splash, an organization that gives foreign domestic workers a chance to learn to swim for free. They started with 30 or so people and have grown to 3,000. In this episode, Edie tells us all about it as well as how she started swimming marathons. Enjoy. <laughs> All right, Edie, what's your story? <laughs> well, um, I grew up in the Bay Area. Um, I'm from Menlo Park. Um, and my, I think my swimming story is pretty, probably pretty typical of going to <laughs> California. Um, my parents signed me and my younger brother up for swim lessons at the local um, swim club. And then we just kind of you know, got into this summer swim team and um, then it moved into year round swimming. And um, I wasn't really a dedicated, you know, I hated going to swim practice when I was like in middle school. Um, it started out like a three times a week commitment. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, school got in the way. And I just, after a while, my mom's like, okay, you're just going to do summer. We're not going to pay waste money for you to keep going around to missing practices. So I, I think I cut back. But then when I got to high school, I was a little bit more, a little bit more serious about swimming. And, um, and I went to like a public high school, which had a very good swimming program. And, um, and then after that, I I still wanted to swim in university, but I didn't, I wasn't fast enough to, to go to division one. So I went to um, a liberal arts school in um, the Boston area, Wellesley, and I swam on their team for four years. And, um, and while I was there, I was also um, wanting to play water polo, which was Back in the 90s, I think water polo for women, for girls, was not so popular, even in California, but I think it was probably more Southern California that was uh, a lot more popular. And mm-hmm. where I was in, in a public school, they, they didn't have um, a girls' water polo program. Mm-hmm. So uh, while, while I was in college, I wanted to start one. I mean, a couple of years after I graduated from high school, the, the girls were playing water polo finally and then those girls ended up getting scholarships to like play for Berkeley and UCLA and stuff and I was like I I, I was just a few years too missed it yeah Yeah. so um but I you know enjoyed enjoyed it we were really sort of a um motley crew swimmers and other athletes that kind of just wanted to play 
And this, you uh, started this in college, you said? We started like... in college. We had coaches who were from MIT who were, mm-hmm. you know, guys who wanted to coach women who were like, yeah, I'm going to go down to Wellesley <laughs> and, and coach. And they were willing to do it for peanuts. Um, yeah. So it was, it was fun. Um, and I think at that point I was like, yeah, you know, swimming's so boring. Water polo is a lot more fun. Yeah. Um, and we, we went to sort of by default, we, we did get to go to nationals because there weren't really that many teams on the East coast. And so we, we did go to division three uh, nationals in Chicago and, and we went to California for training camp. It's my oh. senior year. So that was fun. Um, what year but was after that? that? Yeah. After that, I was, I was like, okay. Um, I don't know if I really want to keep competing or swimming or so I just took a big break I moved to Taiwan um, and I was doing you know teaching English and um, and learning about Chinese art and so I I didn't really have any there was no sort of structure I wasn't really swimming and I didn't really want a, a team or anything I didn't want to do swim practice so I after that I, I just took a really long break I, I eventually moved back to New York I swam a little bit, but not, I didn't, I swam in a, um, at a local pool, but I didn't, it didn't really stick. <laughs> I didn't have a team and I, I wasn't really interested in swimming around in the water where, you know, like East River. I'd, I'd run by it and I'd look and I'd be like, oh, that's so gross. <laughs> <laughs> I had no desire to get in that water. Um, and then, after I moved to Hong Kong in 2007 and it took me actually, I think maybe like another seven years or something to really sort of get back in the ocean or get back at swimming. I was, there was a, a race that they had every, um, every summer that was a 2k swim in the beach and I didn't really train very hard. I would swim. I have a pool in my building. So we, we, I swam back and forth a few times before that race. And then I'd go off and swim this 2K and I'd be like, oh, that was fun. But I, people had told me, oh, you want to join the team? You want to do this? And I was like, no, I don't really want to do swim practice. I don't really want any structure. Um, but there was a relay that they had. Um, it was an annual relay. It was a 15K swim that could be done as a relay or solo and I had kind of wanted to try it, but I didn't really know any of the um, local swimmers. The only person I knew was this guy that um, would cover the arts in for my for my work. He was mm-hmm. a journalist, and I I ran into him at that summer swim race, and I was like, "Oh, I didn't know you were a swimmer," and he's like, oh, "I didn't know you were a swimmer." So. <laughs> He was the only person I knew that swam. So I said, you know, I would like to form a team. Would you like to be on my team? But I don't know anybody else. So can you help me? So <laughs> found a, he found a really good swimmer. And I've recruited two people from my office. And one could just um, only swim breaststroke. And the other one um, could swim, but he, he couldn't sight. He had no idea you know, where he was going, right. but somehow we finished. And, and I was nice. like, Oh, this is kind of fun. And so I think that since then, I, I then met some people in the community and I started to go and, and join them on Sunday mornings. And, and I kind of found like they were 
you know, cool people and um, eventually they have become some of my closest friends and practically family now. <laughs> so wonderful. I think it was also a time in my life when I was living here that a lot of my friends that I had met um, in previous jobs and, and everything and, you know, just socially were planning to leave Hong Kong. So I mm-hmm. sort of found myself kind of um, needing to make some new friends. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why I think that the swimming um, community sort of was my, filled the void. Right, right. Yeah, that's wonderful. So when did you move to Hong Kong again? What year was that? Um, I moved in 2007. 2007. And you've been, and that was where you pretty much started swimming longer distances? Or yeah. started, started pushing, yeah. like getting out so, in the open water and all that? <laughs> I think in the beginning, I think that experience, and was, the water wasn't super clean and there was always, you know, garbage floating around. So anything that sort of touched me was freaking me out because yeah. it's, our water is not crystal clear. Um, it's kind of murky and you'd never know if there's, you know, what's, what's down there so I I really kind of thought that there were sharks and there were big fish and things that were touching me were probably going to eat me Um, (laughs) so I think eventually I sort of calmed down and I was like oh it's just garbage now I tell myself anytime I touch anything it's oh it's just garbage (laughs) (laughs) oh wow garbage in the sea such a sad state that (laughs) was um so so when was your first like marathon swim when did you so you did the first relay but then what was kind of next after you like kind of after I started doing um sort of uh like what did I do I think there were a couple sort of like swim swims that were like around 2k 3k swims um so there was a few races and I remember the there was a group in that Sunday group there was a group of people that wanted to do a longer distance and I was sort of at the 3k level and there was like you know they were going to go 5k and I was like well I'm not sure so that friend the first friend that I that I had joined the group with um who introduced me to the group he was also keen on trying 5k so I think we both were like okay let's let's try it and then you know, after that, we're like, God, I really need a nap. <laughs> I got you know, completely wiped out. Um, I think after that, we were like, oh, you know, it's not so bad. So we kept, you know, upping the distance and, and it felt it felt good. And um, I think it was 2015. Um, I started thinking that I'd like to um, swim the, the um, Maui Channel. And I think since I grew up in the Bay Area, um, a lot of the parents who were master swimmers um, were uh, doing, when I was growing up, like they did relays as uh, Maui Channel, they did it as a relay. Mm-hmm. And my brother and I just thought it was kind of cool to but, you know, go to Hawaii and, and swim from one island to another. So I asked my brother, I said, you know, maybe we should look into signing up for that race. Except, you know, it's, it's September, it's a kind of, it was for my work, it was kind of a busy time that it was kind of hard to actually get, um, get away from, from that, uh, from the off. 
and then my brother was like, well, maybe we should just, you know, um, try to, to do it on our own. You know, you can still get it ratified. You can just do it anytime you want to do it. Yeah. So we found um, a girl, I think you might know her, Meredith Novak. I've heard of her. Um, she, she was living in Hawaii at the time and she had done a double um, Maui channel. And my brother who lives in Hawaii um, kind of reached out to her. And so she had a, uh, a guy that had a boat and we, we paid for her to, to go out there and sort of be our, she was supposed to be the observer, but she ended up like, so she knew, you know, where, where, what time we should start and, um, and when, how we should, the sort of the path out of, out from the, the channel from Lanai and, mm-hmm. um, and where it kind of got rough. And so it was good to have her, but she got so seasick that oh, she no. ended up doing most of the swim with us. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Because I was like, can you take pictures for us? Can you like, you know, like, you know, she was going to be the observer and she was going to feed us and stuff. But she ended up like, she was just like, I'm so sick. I can't, I have to be in the water with you guys. (laughs) Um, After that, that was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun to do it with my brother. We did it solo. um, Just tandem together. Yeah. tandem. Yeah. My brother, my brother's a very good swimmer also. Uh, Like he doesn't really train at all. (laughs) <laughs> it's just annoyingly fit and um so he's he at that time actually he was he just had his first born um and no it's like 2000 oh no his his twins he had two girls and oh my gosh was, um but they were they were actually born in california uh, via surrogate and they okay. were in um at, in the ICU oh so they God. couldn't be moved anywhere and so his wife gave him permission to to go back to Hawaii where they were actually living uh-huh. um, and and do the swim with me because we oh had planned gosh. it but these girls these girls came two months early oh so my gosh we off our schedule completely yeah so we had already scheduled the swim I already bought my ticket and that's like you know I'm gonna do it you want to come and he's like all right all right so um, it was uh, August, of, yeah, August of 2015. Okay. And um, so he, yeah, he, he came out and did it with me. It was a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're very close. He's only a year and a half younger than me. Okay. Wow. Um, was that his last like a hurrah before having twins? I know, I know. Now he's, he's very jealous that I, I get to go off and swim on the weekends because I don't have children I'm kind of sing- I'm single so I kind of like you know whatever I do I want to do I just plan it and <laughs> yeah you don't have to find kid care and yeah <laughs> he has to find permission he has he can't be off going off you know swimming for like six hours so. <laughs> yeah so that so that Maui channel was your first kind of big to do like big marathon swim yeah, so that was kind of planted the seed. I mean, I had no idea. I didn't know anything about How did you train for it going into that first big swim? Um, swimming here in Hong Kong. Um, so I had a friend that had done uh, some longer swims. And so I asked him, like, what, what do I do? And, you know, he was telling me about 
feeding and stuff. And somebody else asked me like, I don't kind of nutrition do you have? And I was like, I don't know. And carbs. <laughs> and I was like, carbs, really? I'm like, do I look like I need extra carbs? <laughs> She's like, no, you're going to need it. Cause I completely thought, you know, like I just going to drink like you know water or something. And so I had to learn more about, you know, the, the whole nutrition side and, and the feeding schedule and stuff. I mean, it, it took us, I mean, it technically, I think it's a 15 K swim, but it, we, we kind of got pushed by the current. So it was ended up like being a 20 K swim and we ended up doing it in six hours. Wow. Um, and yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot, it was a learning experience. It was a lot of fun. Um, I also learned, you know, that I could not bring bananas on the boat. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? There's a there's a Hawaiian fishing superstition. I think it's a it's a fishing superstition for many places. Oh. They don't allow bananas on the boat, and that kind of threw me off because I was in the parking lot <laughs> before we boarded the boat, and the guy's like, "You can't bring those bananas on the boat." <laughs> Sorry, and I was kind of like, "Oh my god!" But that's my that's, that's my what food. I need to eat. <laughs> So now I learned to ask when I do my swims. If, if, Is there anything I can't bring on the boat? Yeah. I mean, I've done, I've, now I've done, I've done rottenness a couple of times in, in Australia. And the, it, they said, one of the guys let me, and the other guy said, you can only have it in the kayak. So you, he's like, technically, I'm like, that's technically not your boat. It's, it's another vessel. So He's like, all right, you can leave your bananas in the in the kayak. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's a fishing superstition about uh, no bananas. I this is the first I heard of this. This is amazing. Yeah, I've heard that before now, but now uh, it's been recorded. Now everyone will know <laughs> no bananas <laughs> in the boat. This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, so learning experience, no bananas. <laughs> How did it go? Like, did it get tough at all? Did you swim through the night? Had you practiced for that? What was it oh, like? We started during the daytime and we finished oh, okay. in the afternoon. So it was, okay. it was actually, like but we didn't land, we didn't land where we want, were planning to land. Um, we got pushed up north and we still landed on a beach, but, um, you know, it wasn't where I think faster people would have swum a straight line. So we ended up getting sidetracked um, and, but it was beautiful. I mean, the water was just crystal blue water. It's just so, so clear. It's so not like the water that I was used to swimming in, in Hong Kong. And mm. I forgot to put sunscreen on my butt. So oh no. <laughs> burned all over my back of my leg. Because in Hong Kong, usually the water is, is kind of murky. Mm. And I never, until last week, actually, I, I never really burned my, you know, the part right below your swimsuit line yeah yeah that usually never gets burned the back of my leg never gets burned but uh in Hawaii because the water is so clear yeah right yeah that's a tough one to remember the other thing like the sides of my legs like I tend to forget that but I rotate pretty good like you've got to get you got to get sunscreen everywhere (laughs) well I mean it was it was at that point I did also didn't know the kind of sunscreen to use. right well yeah I I was sort of really just I had no idea how long you know we were going to swim for and mm-hmm. could only apply it once so it was um so I was I was completely red after this 
but you were hooked. That was it, huh? How did it feel? What did it feel like when you walked up on the beach? I was, it was great. I was, you know, my brother and I were so excited and I think Meredith was so excited for us. Uh, and uh, we were just all cheering and happy and you know, we had a little celebration dinner in um, Lahaina. So it was, it was a great experience for, for, for me. And, you know, I, I came back and I was like really hooked on it and I really wanted to, to do more and more swims. Um, what was so, next? What was next for you? After that, I think um, I did the, I think I did the clean, the, the 15K, there's a clean half um, 15K swim in, um, in October. And I think I did that one as a solo. Um, and then that was, you know, my, about the same distance as the one, the, the, um, the Hawaii one. Um, so I knew I could do it. And then the organizer said, Oh, there's a winter one in January, which is the water is usually around between 15 to 18 degrees. Um, and I wasn't training with a wetsuit. So she said, you know, there had never been up until that point in 2016, there had never been a female to complete it. And she's like, I want, I want you to try it. And um, you know, there was, it's a two person relay or solo. And I think it was also kind of small. There hadn't been a lot of people coming to participate. It was a lot more in the fall. Um, mm -hmm. They had, you know, lots and lots of teams doing it because it was just more of a, it's a lot easier in the water. Mm -hmm. water. So she said, you know, I think you can do it. So I, I trained for that. And um, I, I just was kind of, I was really nervous for that one because I was thinking that, you know, the water's so cold and, and like it's a longer, it's the same, it's the same route that I had done in the fall, but it was just like doing it in colder water. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that if I could do it or not. And, and then after I finished, you know, I, I was really excited. I was like, this is great. And actually, I think that the day of the race, the water wasn't as cold as we were trading in. The okay. sun was out. So it wasn't as, as bad. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, then I got to be the first person, first female to, to finish that race. <laughs> what was it called again? The cold half cold half yeah cool and, and you know so that's the one that jamie came out uh mm -hmm. a couple years later after that to, to do it very cool what was the what is it like kind of for you when it gets so the first one you did with your brother and then you kind of push yourself into a little bit colder water and did you have any like you said it was a little warmer that day sun was out so didn't did you have any challenges on during that um I think just kind of wanting to get through it. Uh, and it's, it's kind of, it's been a long time. I, I think uh, it was, you know, it's kind of my backyard. So we were training in that water. So it was kind of familiar. Mm -hmm. So I kind of knew where I was. And I think the winter time, I think the currents were with us. And um, so I, I don't remember my time, but I think it was faster than when it was in the fall. Mm -hmm. Which was good because I didn't really want to stay in that water. <laughs> right, right. 
Tell me about a time when it, the, a swim was more challenging, something that you're really proud of. Um, I think I'm really proud of swimming uh, around Hong Kong Island. Um, mm -hmm. I did that in 2018. Uh, so a friend of mine named Simon Holiday, he did it in 2017 and he became the first uh man to do it mm -hmm. uh the first person to do it was linda mcgill in 1976 uh so she's wasn't even living in, in hong kong she was just invited by the, the hong kong government to uh the cafe pacific to to kind of drum up you know tourism and so she did it in the 76 with without any sort of knowledge of the, her team didn't really know much about the currents and so mm. she started in a a place that is a lot farther in, it's a bay. So we started in the harbor side and on the north side, northwest side and swim through the harbor and then down the east side and around um, the south side and then back up on the west side. And we hired um, a professional um, America's Cup navigator. Nice. Who, you know, calculated all the times and so Simon had done that in 2017 and I was his uh, support swimmer one of his mm -hmm. support swimmers so I kind of like understood and I trained with him so there were parts of you know Hong Kong we he wanted to get to know we don't normally swim in the harbor so it's it's kind of like uncharted territory so we were training at sort of sections and and getting to know all the different sections of, of the harbor, um, not the main part of the harbor, but the sort of eastern side of it. And nobody had done that. None of our friends had done that. So it was so much fun and um, and really eye-opening and cool to be in the, in the harbor. Uh -huh. uh, so I think having that experience when he did it, um, the, the same organizer who asked me to do the cold half uh, in 2016 was the organizer to do the swim um, around Hong Kong Island. Her name is Shu, and she um, has been kind of organized. She's really good at organizing these, these events. And she had to get a whole bunch of government permission, uh, the Marine police, uh, wow. a whole bunch of, you know, just being in the Harbor. It's not so easy. It's, and, she had to get every, all of all of them to write off and say it's okay or no objection. Mm -hmm. um, so when it was my turn to do it, you know, I was more familiar with the whole island so, yeah, and, yeah. And, and kind of knew where the, the hard parts mm -hmm. were. Um, both Simon and I were both raising money to uh, for this uh, organization called Splash. Uh, which is a program that teaches, gives uh, free swimming lessons to foreign domestic workers. And I think, you know, in, um, in Hong Kong, it's a very sort of common thing for families to have um, somebody who comes from the Philippines or Indonesia or Thailand um, to work in the house, to take care of the kids, to clean. Mm -hmm. um, they are, you know, oftentimes they are, treated like part of the family, but also oftentimes they are treated like second-class citizens. Mm -hmm. um, they are not allowed to have like full residency mm -hmm. and 
a lot of them kind of live at the sort of mercy of the family that they work for. So they get uh-huh. a very good family that supports them, that lets them, they get one day off, they get Sundays usually off and they have um, usually their, their room that they sleep in is a closet. Uh, oh my gosh. It's really, you know, I think for people who it's common in Hong Kong, but it's, it's, I think for the rest of the world to, to know that you know they don't get treated sometimes very well mm-hmm. um, and so many of them come from you know they they some of them are very well educated some of them are nurses and accountants wow different science background but because they can't make enough money in their home country they can make more money as a, a, a domestic worker in mm-hmm. in hong kong or in other countries and they send all their money back to um back to back home to support their family many of them have have children um wow. they were teenage mothers and um they usually have like a husband or somebody that they kind of forced to marry the mm. husband doesn't really do very much and they're they're kind of always sending money back to the family okay. so they're you know there's, there's not a lot of opportunities and so on sundays or on their day off there's really things for them to do that are free. Uh, a lot of them go to church and, and then their whole social circle is around the church. Mm-hmm. So back in 2015, when Simon came to Hong Kong, he was kind of like curious why there were a whole bunch of these, most of them are women. There mm-hmm. are men um, who are usually chauffeurs or gardeners. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of wondering like, you know, it's such a hot day and in the summertime, they're all on the beach, but they're not really getting in the water and he's mm-hmm. kind of wondering like why are they not getting in the water and he was told that many of them didn't know how to swim and a lot of times they they congregate in on the street or on the sidewalks or on public walkways so in the summertime you know they're they're out in the open there's there's not they're not hanging out inside air conditioning there's really not not too many places for them to go mm-hmm. so he was thinking you know why not but the people who know how to swim with the people who don't want to, don't know how to swim and teach them. So we started in 2015 with, I think, 30 swimmers. And then those 30 swimmers became, um, became 60 swimmers and they wanted wow. to come back. And we really had no idea back then what, what was going to happen and how mm-hmm. many people were really going to want to join. But through word of mouth, they, you know, told their friends and their friends wanted to join and, so now it's, now it's been like over, now it's the sixth year and um, we had a, you know, last year was probably a tough year for everybody that mm-hmm. we didn't really teach very many people how to swim last year, but I think we're close to 3,000 people now. Wow. Uh, 3,000 in six yeah, years? 3, wow. Yeah. And it's, I mean, we're not teaching them to be Olympic swimmers, but I think they're, we're teaching them to be water safe and that they can swim, you know, 25 meters in the pool and get themselves to safety and then they can progress. We have beginner plus, we have intermediate, we have advanced. So mm-hmm. uh, many of them go through that whole, all the, the whole series and then they go to the beach and they swim open water. And I think a lot of them like that because the open water is free. It doesn't cost them anything. They can mm-hmm. go on to the beach on Sundays. They can go for a swim. They can hang out at the beach. So it's, it's really it's very liberating because it's really nice to see many of them now have gone off on 
you know, hiring, um, we have like party boats, kind of like junk, we call them junk boats and on the weekends. And it doesn't cost that much if you get a bunch of friends to, to chip in. So they've gone off and done, you know, boat trips and stuff. And I think kind of empowers them to do other things. And some of them are really good trail runners and, um, you know, really taking, doing interesting projects like dragon boating and then beach cleanups. And uh, mm. some of them are going off to climb, hike the Himalayas uh, with the support of their financial support of their, their the family that they work for, you know, like, so they're really getting out there. And I think a lot of it comes from the confidence of learning how to swim and yeah. they're all, their friends, um, so their social circle now is like, you know, they didn't know each other before and now they, um, they grow, you know, learn to swim together and they become all friends. So I joke because I think a lot of them have, were, you know, uh, very religious before going to church every mm. Sunday. And now I think we you converted kind of, them to swimming converted, church. Converted, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> It, it, the confidence thing, though, it rings true. I, I mean, I was trying, I've been thinking about that even just like this last week or two is like, like how to communicate that, like as a person who teaches lessons and coaches, like I, and I mean, and for me, I don't know about you as a marathon swimmer, but for me, like, when you start to swim places, and you swim around things, and you look back, and you can't see where you start, like the the, like the fulfillment, like the amount of confidence that you have and like how you can carry that into other parts of your life. Just like you're saying, these people are now, you know, becoming trail runners and hiking the Himalayas and there's like all the amazing yeah, things you yeah. can accomplish just because you empowered them by teaching them how to swim. I just, that's beautiful. Well, I don't know if, it, you know, I think that many of them probably had the ones that are motivated to do that. I think they were already like an adventurous mm. group of ladies who wanted right. to learn swim and had other abilities to to run and stuff so i think maybe we're i'm i'm kind of like saying that you know swimming is has given them all these other talents but i think you know it has helped them and i think many of them were introverts they didn't really have any friends sometimes they would spend their day off in their like you know little room by themselves and and didn't really go out and i think that now having like a, a social life and having a group of friends to do stuff like last week uh, there was a, a trail um, cleanup, uh, so they they would go out on a trail and, and clean up and pick up the garbage on the trails, and they formed a team themselves. They they were um, it was all splash swimmers, and I think eight or ten of them who who would on their day off they spend the whole week cleaning for other people. And mm. on their day off, they go on a hike and they go and clean up the hut and the, the trail. So for everybody. Were, <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was for, it was a contest with other people who, you know, formed different teams. So I think there were actually two foreign domestic teams doing that, but one was a sort of splash alumni and there were other people who were, you know, bankers and other people. So it was, it was kind of, and they, they had the whole weekend, but the, the splash ladies only had um, had one day off because it was their only, one, only day off. So wow. they were slightly at a disadvantage, but I think, you know, they they were trying to raise awareness and, and clean up the trails and clean up Hong Kong. Very, very cool. 
Okay, so going back to the harbor, learning how to sw- <laughs> the hard parts of swimming around Hong Kong. So raising money—that's a hard part. <laughs> what else, what did you face kind of in that big swim? What, remind me the distance around Hong Kong. It's uh, forty-five kilometers, so it's approximately the same size as Manhattan. Okay, um, and it's it's also kind of like I guess it's sort of it's a tidal assisted swim. Um, so we had this guy named. Ross, who's the navigator that timed out the swim. So I started around 5 a.m. Um, at this place called the Saiwan Swim Shed, which is on the sort of far northwestern corner of the harbor. And um, I got in the water and I had uh, a paddler next to me, a friend who wanted to st- do stand-up paddleboard through the harbor uh, and the pilot boat, which had like uh, my feeder, the observer, the organizer, the navigator. Uh, uh, so they have um, a friend who wants to do the, to be a journalist. Uh, I mean, she was a journalist and I was giving her sort of front row seats to, to cover the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had quite a, there was maybe like 10 people on this boat. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, our sponsor was a yachting company called Simpson Marine, and they provided a catamaran, and that was sort of the, the party boat. So oh. people who wanted to actually watch the swim, um, they could get on board the party boat and, and go around and watch me swim. I, <laughs> I can't imagine how, you know, it must be pretty boring. <laughs> they, would, they would spend like three hours on the boat, you know, drinking and hanging out and watching watching these <laughs> but it I think part of part of parts of Hong Kong are, are really really beautiful I think that most people who are um, not familiar with Hong Kong only know that Hong Kong has this harbor and this you know amazing skyline with skyscrapers but there is like all this sort of ruggedness this uh, wild side the east the east side is uh not heavily populated so there's a lot of more like cliffs and um there's there's surfing on that side um we have baby waves but people do go there and surf yeah um so there's like sort of beach communities on that side uh there's a lot of there's a lot of nature around Mm. and, and i think for most actually more than half the island it's it's kind of like you've got cliffs and rocks and stuff and then wow. the other half of the island you know is, is all like where the population is and you've got the high high-rise buildings and stuff but mm-hmm. hong kong is, is really stunning to swim around it's really really pretty i think the the challenging part was i had never swum in the actual harbor part of it and not really knowing um, the cleanliness level uh, mm. I just kind of wanted to get through it and I, there was a couple places where the water uh, was getting sort of was it wasn't raw sewage but I think there was some sort of sewage that was kind of getting pumped back mm. into the harbor and mm-hmm. it's there was a stench uh, and the water temperature dropped and I was like oh I'm gonna close my mouth and just plow right through it um, and actually two, three weeks before, about a month before I had actually, for the first time in my life, gotten sick from swimming, um, oh, wow. and caught a bacteria and it was swimming through dirty water. Mm. And so I, 
I kind of was kind of a little bit scared about getting sick again. Yeah. And I, um, but I asked the doctor and he said, well, you know, you don't want to take an antibiotic beforehand. So if you get sick, there's antibiotics, but don't mm-hmm. take it before. Mm-hmm. So luckily I didn't have to, maybe I had enough residual antibiotics in my system. So I just, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's beautiful. Like I was so excited. It was um, around 6, 6am. 6 the sun was coming up and I, I was in central, which is where most of the tall famous buildings are mm-hmm. looking up at the skyline. I was, I was, you know, I had the whole entire Harbor to myself. It was before, you know, the whole city woke up. So it was like, yeah. it was amazing. And, um, you know, I looked up at my friend and I was like, who was paddling and I was like, this is so awesome. Um, that's, that was probably one of the highlights of swimming in the Harbor. Cause it was just, it was so cool. Um, People have asked me if I ever wanted to swim the Cross Harbor, which is an annual race that they have swimming from one side to the other. I think it's only one and a half K or less mm-hmm. than one and a half K, but it's with thousands of people. And I was like, no, not really. <laughs> like, right. I've done it. I've done it the lengthwise and I don't really need to share it. You know, I don't have to get clobbered with about clobbering other people and get yeah. hit on the head by other people. So <laughs> I to have the whole Harbor to myself. Exactly. Like, just that way. I appreciate that a lot. <laughs> I think yeah. that's why I've gravitated to marathon, to solo specifically, like yeah. solo kind of ultra swimming is uh, it's it, the tranquility of being out there by yourself and not, you know, elbow knee fighting to get to the next buoy or anything. Yeah. I think that whole racing bug has kind of gotten out of my system since since I graduated from college, I don't really feel like the need to compete. I, I think that it's it's more just, you know, my own self mm-hmm. challenges that I think that I, I can do and not having to like do it as a race. I mean, I think Hong Kong still has that mentality. I think most of my friends still have that sort of like sign up for this race, sign up for that race. A lot of my friends are triathletes. Um, mm-hmm they're you know always very competitive and I just I think my mentality is a lot has changed completely you know I don't I don't really want to sign up for races I I just I just want to do it to completion I just want to find you know the happiness in that yeah yeah absolutely so swimming around Hong Kong the harbor was the most beautiful part. Was there any mentally hard parts or physically oh, I, hard parts? Or <laughs> I, I, we we timed it so that it was it was that I was with the current the whole time. Which was okay, quite amazing that I didn't actually have to. I felt like I didn't have to work that hard. Mm, nice. um, I was kind of happy that you know the current was pushing me around, and I was like, yeah, I think if I I just drifted around Hong Kong. <laughs> um, Cause I was, when I finished, I was, I was still quite energetic. I, mm-hmm. I um, we had an after party and I, you know, stayed till then. I, I felt like <laughs> I was I tired and my shoulders were okay. And you know, my back was all right. So I like, I was, I was, I felt really good. I mean, maybe it was training. I don't know, but I was also kind of luck that I was, I was able to get through it. Um, I think the prettiest part was actually the east side. That was probably mm. my favorite part. Was just going down the 
the whole eastern side of the island with the sort of rugged cliffs and stuff. And then rounding the corner, there's a place called Cape Daguilar, and that's the southernmost part of the island. And going around that cape, um, and then knowing that you know you're almost halfway done, mm. it made me happy knowing that. And and being training in that area, I and kind of knew the distance, so I kind of mm. knew exactly where I was. I think it's quite different than swimming in the middle of a channel. You have no idea how far you have left. Right. Yeah. Like you always see land. And then there's like people cheering for me on the the boat and stuff. So it's, it's, it's really, you know, they're all out there for you. It's, it's really kind of, you know, quite moving. Yeah. And they all came in for the finish and and it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Very cool. So what do you think is next? (laughs) The next one. um, So, you know, I had signed up for quite a, Thing. I had signed up for New York. Um, I signed up for Suguru. Suguru, I tried in 2019 and, and didn't, didn't complete it. So I kind of had some unfinished business and I really wanted to finish it. Signed up and they were going to give me a slot last year. And then again, no, no COVID. Yeah. <laughs> what happened in 20? What happened the first time at Suguru Street? Um, so I had a slot in uh, September, um, and I, um, was training for it. And then I actually, a friend of mine who I was introduced to another swimming friend, um, he introduced me to Dean Summers. Do you know Dean? I just spoke with him earlier today. (laughs) Really? Yeah. He's a friend of mine. That's awesome. he was, he was training for, um, he wanted, he also wanted to do Suguru. Yeah. And the slot in July and I had met him in April. So I was, and he had attempted the year before. So I was asking him all sorts of questions about his experience. And then I was like, waiting, watching him, you know, try to get his chance to swim it in July. And then you know, he, he had sort of a like weather delay and he couldn't do it. And so, um, he was really frustrated so you know I was like I asked we had we had met in April and I thought you know we were about the same speed so I thought well I maybe could try it as a tandem so I you know we had actually asked the the organizers if it was possible that we do it as a as a tandem and um they were kind of really hesitant and there were these two ladies I think the year before from Mexico who were very fast that did it as a tandem and so we, we said you've done it before you know well, why don't you let us do it and they um they were kind of really hesitant and we kind of went back and forth with that never gave us a really straight answer mm. and I even sort of planned I, I went down to Sydney and and swam with him for uh, a week and um you know, tried to you know, get, no, it was a week. It wasn't even, oh, I think it was a weekend and trained oh. in their uh, long, a long weekend and um, trained with them and his team. And, um, and it was, I think their winter time. So the water wasn't, you know, it was like 15 degrees uh, and swimming. So we were like, okay, you know, I think we can do it together. Uh, and I think at that time, Finally, they're like, okay, you guys can do it together, but you have to stay together. You can't be no more than like three meters apart. You have mm. to, like, um, 
if, and then they made all sorts of rules like if one of you got out then both of you have to get out and we're mm. like really <laughs> so, so we ended up going down to japan again oh he went down again um that was my first time going to japan for the swim but he was very familiar with um this this region and i had a friend from hong kong was my crew and then another one who had done it as a relay who lived in Tokyo uh she also came there she was really good because she spoke a little Japanese and she was able to sort of navigate where we were going and how mm-hmm. to where to stay and where to eat and stuff so well it was easy because we stayed in this hotel and we like ate all our meals there but she kind of was familiar with the roads well so was mm-hmm. Dean. Dean Dean had been there a number of times too um so we waited for our window and um finally i think the last day of the window we were kind of just like let's let's do it and they at that time they had um i think pushed back the start of the the swim till i think so they were making everybody start at 3 a.m it didn't really make any sense because Mm -hmm. the the currents got very strong um like in the afternoon so mm-hmm. did, you were kind of cutting the time that you would swim through the calm in the dark um, right. and and it, he had, Dean actually had a friend that had done all this computer modeling and had kind of like said that you know you had to be through this the worst bit by a certain time <coughs> so we were showing this, the, the guys and we we're like, we don't want to start at 3 a.m. because, you know, this is going to be much harder for us. So we were getting them to, you know, negotiate, we negotiate down to like 11 o'clock. And then finally, we were like, well, maybe if we just show up really early, they'll let us swim earlier. So we showed up at like 8.30 and then they were like, okay, you guys ready? And we're like, yeah, we're ready. And we're like, okay, got on the boat. And so they didn't really say anything. They were giving us all this you know, like pushback in the beginning that we couldn't start earlier. But that, well, we said, you know, like, I think we, we're ready to go. Can we go? <laughs> we were in the water by 930. And wow. I think it was more for them. The safety concern was that they were afraid of crashing into the rocks because mm. the year before there was an accident, but one of the boats was not familiar with the porch and mm. ended up crashing the boat. And so I think since then they were like, no, we only want to go at 3 a.m. because the sun <laughs> starts coming up at first yeah, light. Right. So, but it just really wasn't, it wasn't logical for, mm-hmm. for a crossing. So then I think that that night we got in the water and it was fine. We were making good pace and good progress. And then I think Dean started to get foot cramps and he started falling back and behind and um, and I was like, what's happening? You know, like I, I had to slow down my pace yeah. and I think it was really kind of inconsistent. We were, we were trying to stay together, but he would stay for a few strokes and then just drop back and he was behind the boat and it was very dark behind the boat. And I think the captain was starting to get a little bit annoyed because he'd have to like constantly change his speed. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. and, you know, he was looking at me and I was swimming and steady. And then all of a sudden I have to like stop my pace and tread water or go backwards and wait for him so I think that went on for five hours 
Wow. And we were, he was really, really struggling. And then finally he's like, maybe I just gonna, he's, he said, I'm going to get out. You know, I was, I was even trying to stretch his foot for him because he's, <laughs> and I was like, am I allowed to touch him? So they're like, yeah, you can touch him. So I was like, helping him stretch his foot. And he got out after five hours and they didn't make me get out because mm. they could see that I was still, I still had energy. And they're like, mm-hmm. okay, thank you going. So the rules kind of changed while yeah, we were, <laughs> you were going. Yeah. So he got out and he let me go. And I felt really lonely after he left me. Um, it was like all of a sudden I had, I was completely alone in the sea mm. in the dark. Uh, but in, in Suger, they, they have a, a ribbon underneath the, that hangs off the boat. So that mm-hmm. there's a fluttering ribbon and they have really huge, bright, bright spotlights. And it, it is kind of, that that little ribbon kind of is your friend and it keeps you I can see you seeing it that's awesome (laughs) yeah it's it's having a line on the bottom that moves and right and then you know the light you know strange things swim in and out of of the of the picture so you I did see a couple barracudas I saw flying fish uh, things that just kind of come up from the bottom but I was like I really don't want to see anything (laughs) but yeah I it started to get stronger and stronger the currents and I was like you know just just hang on till some till daylight Mm. I thought that like everything was going to be better when the sun came out and and I was expecting this like bright sunshine you know like a beautiful glowing sunrise (laughs) it was just gray it just (laughs) the light just turned on and it was just gray and I was kind of like disappointed and the currents really were getting stronger and my friend was on board telling me to sprint. So I was sprinting, but then I thought, okay, I'll sprint for one hour. Okay. I think I'm done now. And then no, 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 keep going, keep going. And I think I thought I was making progress, but I was kind of going parallel and I was going, you know, getting pushed by the currents at that point. Mm. And I, I was swimming with the boat to my right side. So I didn't see land the whole time. I didn't know how close we were. I had no idea. Oh. Uh, then at some point there was a turn and I could see land. And I was like, oh, is that, is that where we're going? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, is that like, you know, how far is that? I didn't know. I was like thinking that I was like maybe 10K left or something. So I was like, oh, okay. You know, I could just put, I could do it. I could do it. And I think, land just never got closer and mm. I, think, I think the closest I got was maybe eight kilometers to shore oh. and then I was just getting pushed parallel and I was mm. getting more and more tired because I couldn't cross and it wasn't like a change of the currents that will eventually get me back to going straight it was just going to be a complete you know cross horizontal mm-hmm. west to yeah. east crossing so it was Eventually, after 11 and a half hours, I think I was mentally exhausted. And I think the team also just kind of knew that I wasn't going to make it. So, yeah. So, but I think that if I had started earlier and I think if I did it by myself uh, or if Dean was in, you know, top shape, I think we would have been able to, to get it done. So I think the next time I do it, I'll do it solo. And um, so hopefully I can get it done with the next next year yeah yeah here they canceled it again mm. uh, so they so there's no no local people i mean 
all local people, no, no foreigners allowed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what's what you're looking forward to pretty much. Yeah. Well, I, I signed up to do Tahoe. Mm. So this year I will be coming back to the U S uh, this summer. Um, when are you coming? Yeah. And when? My, uh, my date is July 28th. I'll miss you by are you doing 15 it? days. I'll be there in July 13th ish. Yeah. Are you, are you also swimming in Tahoe? What's up? Are you also swimming Tahoe? Yeah, I did. Well, I did the length a couple of years ago. Um, oh, really? 2018, 19. I can't remember there. Everything's a blur after last year. Um, I think it was 2019. I did it. It's good. It was, it's, you know, you swim, swimming all night, whatever. I, my kids were really little. They're still little. They're four and six. But at the time, I guess they were like two and four. And anyway, I was, I was like a sleep deprived mom trying to swim all night. It was like, it was crazy. <laughs> I just remember falling asleep while I was swimming. I, I didn't know that I could literally sleep swim. <laughs> I, I just remember like I would drift. I was hallucinating, like drifting away from the boat and the pilots like come on you know so the things that you can only do in a lake that's completely flat in the middle of the night so anyway it was a, it was an amazing experience and I did get to the other side eventually <laughs> but I look forward to I guess doing it with, with my head on straight one of these days <laughs> anyway so it's beautiful you're just doing it going there for a holiday no, oh, you're not swimming today? No, no, no. Are you, oh, are you? oh, I'm doing a core, a couple things over a day, long day, something like that. Yet to Wait. be seen. You'll see. You'll see when it's over. <laughs> <laughs> but that's exciting. Are you doing the length? Yeah, yeah. That's fun. Well, I'm sorry. I'll miss you. With I your brother? Well, he's going to be on my, my boat. I, I said, you know, I think he's, he's not really good with cold water and mm. But he's a little bit faster than me in the beginning. I don't know. He hasn't trained at all. So I was like, you know what? Why don't you just be my support swimmer, my leader? You know, you can get in and out. It'll be much better for you. Um, So he's like, oh, okay. (laughs) Do that. Of course. That's fun. (laughs) Well, great. That's exciting that you're coming to the U.S. What took you to Hong Kong in the first place in 2007? Uh, work. I was uh, working in New York for Sotheby's auction house and they suggested that I move to Hong Kong to get a, a few years of work experience in Asia and then a few years to do 15 years and I don't I no longer work for the auction house. I'm still in the arts. Uh, I left Sotheby's in 2014 and then I did uh, yeah, I was working for Citibank uh, in their private banking, doing art advisory for six years. And then mm-hmm. last year, sort of around the time of COVID and everything, I sort of thought, I think I need to change my life. And I kind of just wanted to take a break and do some something on my own. Um, so I started uh, working with a friend who we have an art advisory company. It's all still kind of ad hoc and just kind of different projects. She's based in California. She was a friend from Hong Kong, but moved to LA. So she's been doing different projects and I've been just kind of doing some appraisals and, and kind of a little bit of advisory, not, not too heavy um, 
and doing mostly swimming. <laughs> People that's think that that's my job now. <laughs> that's lovely. <laughs> Is there anything that you've learned about yourself from marathon swimming? Uh, I think that I'm sort of a lot tougher than I thought I was. I think that there's a lot sort of um, things that I didn't think that I had in me that I could do. Um, mm-hmm. I I think I, you know, always thought that I could only you know, limit myself to like shorter swims in the pool. And I think that the swimming in the ocean has sort of expanded my world. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's no walls, there's no boundaries. Uh, so I think it's, it's nice to just keep trying to push that sort of limit to see where, where I could go. I, I, I think there's so, even locally, you know, last week, um, two of my friends and I, we swam around an island that is just nearby that I think it wasn't, it's always there. We, I, I, I see it all the time. But I just yeah. never thought about swimming around the island. Mm. It was, you know, it's 23 kilometers. Um, we did it in the day. Um, and it, it was a lot of fun. And nobody's, people are like, I didn't know you could swim around that island. Or, I like lived on that island all these years. I've never been to the other side of the island. So wow. I think, you know, it, it, there is a sort of I'm just come pushing yourself to see different things, get out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. I am. I think inherently lazy. Uh, so I have to sort of push myself to, to do things like to do that uh, uh, and, and kind of constantly find something new to do. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I, I do feel lucky that we have had um, the opportunity to swim in Hong Kong, even though you know, the pools were closed, mm-hmm. the beaches were technically closed, I think. But I think it helped everybody with their sort of sanity to sort of get, be able to get in the water and swim and and keep. So then I think luckily I'm in the right position to sort of keep pushing myself because I've never mm-hmm. sort of sat around for six months and not not swim. I'm, so I'm pretty I'm pretty fortunate about that. Mm-hmm. That's great. What advice would you give to a new aspiring kind of marathon swimmer person? I think to keep trying to push your limits to, um, you know, like once you've done 5k, go for a little bit longer, 10, and then, you know, keep trying and um, find things that are challenging for you and, you know, check it off the box and to do it and then, and then find something else to do. I think don't, don't quit. Um, just keep swimming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Who's inspired you? Um, I think. Well, my good friend, my good friend Simon, has, has definitely inspired me. Um, I think getting to swim with him and seeing his passion and his like wanting to share swimming with everybody who's who doesn't know how to swim. I think sharing that sort of knowledge and um, helping others to learn to swim, I think is is very, very inspiring. It's a good influence to have. That's wonderful. 
Thank you for sharing your story, Edie. It's wonderful to meet you. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this episode. Have you heard of the Intrepid Water Accountability Group? We'll support and encourage each other on a private chat platform, pursue monthly challenges both in the water and on land, and meet virtually once a month to dive deep on a topic. If you'd like to join a group of like-minded limit pushers from around the globe, join the Intrepid Water Accountability Group. Find out more at intrepidwater.com.